You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to Winecast and welcome, Ginger. Very special guest today. The commentary powerhouse behind Formula <laughs> One. The voice of motorsport and a huge West Ham fan. Welcome to Winecast, David Crofty Croft. Welcome. Hello, welcome, boys. Mate. Yeah. How are you? Very well. You're Great. Can I just say I'm brilliant. This is a massive honour. Ah. Yeah, honestly, this is as close as I've ever got to Ginge, quite <laughs> <Really>? frankly. <laughs> Normally, I'm in a Bobby Moore upper. Shouting at me. Shouting at you. <laughs> Get him off. <laughs> Anything I may have said over those years, uh, please forget him Fully now. deserved. Fully <laughs> deserved. Do you have no a favourite Ginge moment, Crofty? Uh, do I, no, I, I just remember back to all those last-ditch tackles. Yeah. You know, all those leaping up like a salmon. I mean, obviously, a salmon that doesn't leap very high. Yeah. But, you know, to, to get to the ball. I, you were nothing short of committed for this team, mate. All my... All my tackles were last ditch because I was so slow, mate. <laughs> Anyone with a bit of pace was always in the right in the right position, but not me. So I, I, I relied on the slide tackle quite a lot. Uh, <laughs> I was gutted when you left, though. To be mm. honest, you are the, you are the you are the sort of defender that I grew up worshiping as a West Ham wow. fan. Your Billy Bonds, you know, your Alvin mm. Martins, your, your Tony Gales, your Ginger Pele. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's some, com some company that. Bit of a shame you didn't really ball your eyes out when you left the London Stadium pitch for the final time. No, I, 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 there was a there was a tear. There was in a the tear. Yeah. There was, yeah, of course. Well, like we've spoke about before, it was a bit of a funny time. We weren't wasn't sure whether it was my last game, whether it wasn't, but yeah, some great memories. Obviously, eleven years. David Beckham. I watched that documentary recently on Netflix. He was, he was really sobbing. Mm. None of that from you. Just yeah, no, nah, it's not my game now. <laughs> I'm not my game Hang on, I'm going to start crying. <laughs> You've also mentioned David Beckham and Ginger Pella. In the same, same, in the same, same yeah. That is a first. <laughs> well, um, West Ham fans who might follow Formula One will no doubt know that you, Crofty, are a West Ham fan because frequently in your commentary on Formula One races, <laughs> there's always a little Easter egg there for Hammers fans. Yep. Do, what would you say? Do you average one West Ham reference per race, would you say? I, I don't think about it, uh, to be honest, <laughs> and I try very hard not to put in as many as I really want to because Martin Brundle alongside me is also a West Ham fan. Isn't he? He, he is also that. a West Ham fan. We've been together. We've been to see matches together. He is. Because I worked on Formula One for eighteen months, and I like I worked with Martin a, little, a tiny bit 
But that never came up. I never knew that. He's we would have not... got him, not you, if we'd known that. <laughs> You'd have got the main man, wouldn't you? <laughs> so it would have been a very short podcast. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't watch it, uh, the football quite as much as me. But we, um, when we first started working together, I said, come on, do you want to come up to, to, to Upton Park? I'll get some tickets. So yeah, yeah, I'd like that. What do I wear? I said, wear what you want, mate. I'll just get tickets at the stand. He turned up in full motorcycle leathers because he rode <laughs> down <laughs> from Norfolk. So we sat. We sat in the main stand. He's the only one in full leather, to be honest. It, it, it wasn't the greatest look in the world. <laughs> Do you have a favourite kind of uh, reference that you've dropped into your commentary? From what um, no. no I, I, what I try and do, so I'm very aware sometimes that uh, we're going on just after a match or something's yeah. happened oh, during a match. I notice it tends to be at the start of your commentary. There'll be a reference there. Yeah. yeah. And I try I try never to give the score away because people might be recording it on their Sky Q to, to watch it at a later time. But I just, if we've had a good result, then I'll, I'll get a you know, little mention just to show the world that I'm a, a happy man. If we've had a really bad result <laughs> and something negative happens on track, yeah. I'll try and link them together a little bit. <laughs> but it's the bits you can't see. And we've now got a camera in the commentary box, so uh, I might not be able to do as much of this. But you can never see the moments where we score, and I'm in the middle of a commentary, and I'm kind of giving it the full yeah, celebration. Checking, yeah, stuff. checking the scores. Or we go, there was uh, Mexico. We were in a practice session on a Friday in Mexico, and West Ham had a Friday night match. Brighton at home, we lost 3-0. And I think we were 3-0 down by about 25 minutes because it was Brighton after all. And um, I actually picked up a bottle of water and hurled it across the commentary <laughs> box. And it missed Paul Resta by about that much less him. So he kind of lived in fear of doing any sessions with me while West Ham were playing. Do you think it's noticeable in your commentary if West Ham have won or lost? Would, um, it, be, would it be too Do you try and keep it quiet? I'd hope it's not noticeable. <laughs> But I mean, there are sometimes, you know, you, you can't go to work with a smile on your face no. when you've just been beaten <laughs> 6 0 by Arsenal, can you? No. Luckily, I wasn't on air the next day. <laughs> we were fine. So, I mean, as listeners will probably already hear, your love for West Ham is so strong. Tell us, how did the love affair, you and West Ham, how did it begin? It's ridiculous. I have no idea. Really? <laughs> no, I grew up in Stevenage. So Stevenage, uh, new town in Hertfordshire, home of the roundabout and the seven-time Formula One world champion, Lewis yeah. Hamilton. That's probably what Stevenage has got going for it, <laughs> to be honest. But when I when I was growing up, there was no football team. Stevenage Borough didn't really exist until about 82, I think it was. Mm. Um, and the previous Stevenage club had, had kind of fallen by the wayside. So there was no team in my town. And all my mates were either Arsenal, Tottenham, mm. uh, Chelsea fans. That That... That, that, that was kind of it. And I'm like, well, I don't really want to support any of them. I've got no affinity whatsoever. And I, I, I don't know. I can trace it back to about 77, 78. And I think it was the colours. It must have, it must have <laughs> been the colours. There was just something about West Ham that I thought, right, I want to be a West Ham fan. And then we got to the cup final in 1980. So I'm, I'm not even 10 years old by that stage. And we've won the FA Cup. I'm like, yeah, this is the team. <laughs> this is the team that I are going places. I could get used to this sort of success. <laughs> and then 81, my, my dad managed to get tickets for the League Cup final in 81, which was, um, was a pretty impossible feat at the time because I didn't go to matches. He wasn't a season ticket holder. He supports Sheffield United. All my family are Sheffield United fans. As they come from Yorkshire. So um he took us. And and I, I remember, I remember this was this is one of the days when you point back and say, Why do you love your parents as much as you do? Here's my dad, 
proud Yorkshireman, Sheffield United fan through and through. We are at the, the League Cup final. And if you remember, Liverpool scored with about three minutes to go uh, in extra time. Sammy Lee's offside, but yeah, that doesn't matter. <laughs> Clive Thomas, the referee, says that that's, that's fine. That, that can go ahead. Um, and we're, we're in the seats, but at the Liverpool end. So everyone's going crazy around us because all the Liverpool fans are cheering. And he, and he looked at me, he put his arm around me, he went, son, don't worry, we'll be okay. As if like, you know, sharing the pain with me. Yeah. It's like, dad, yeah. I will always love you for that. I really <laughs> will. And um, we were okay because, of course, we went straight back up the other end, mm. won a penalty and Ray Stewart absolutely buried it. <laughs> and uh, two people in the Liverpool end went absolutely crazy and he, <laughs> and he jumped up with me and then we legged it to the station. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> oh, wow. brave doing that. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of bumps and... Uh, Along the way, then being, yeah, being a West I mean, it's, Ham fan it's been a life then. of misery. To be fair. <laughs> life of misery. I I, re I remember going so so uh, when when my boys started going with us, there was a time when uh, both of them were like, yeah, "Dad, I'm not sure about being a West Ham fan." Um, one of them, the eldest, uh, Daniel, has, has stuck with it th uh, through and through and thick and thin. Uh, the other, James, who I love equally as much sometimes, uh, has decided he wants to be a Liverpool fan. No, no, yeah? no, no. In fact, he's, he's sat just over there at the oh, shot at the moment. come on, man. Yeah. Beaming, what? beaming from ear to ear. How have you let this happen, Crofty? Well, be, well my dad was a Sheffield United I fan suppose, and yeah, I, I went yeah. the other way. It was, quite funny at one game one of the guys behind us in the stands uh, it was the game was so dull we got into a conversation and he turned around to James he said why are you a Liverpool fan then why aren't you a West Ham fan like your old man James who at the time was about nine went yeah because West Ham are crap <laughs> um, which kids don't say that sort of thing you really shouldn't um, I mean it's but, brave it's, it's brave but it yeah. was true at the time um, but Daniel was what like, sort yeah. of time were we talking so this was, I was probably um, playing was I yeah about five <laughs> Years ago, yeah, <laughs> it it was it was an, it was nil nil at the time. I think it was like Fulham at home we were playing, and it really was the worst match on the planet. Um, hence his frustration. But Daniel was like, you know, Dad, I'm not sure West Ham. They don't always win. I'm like, bear with it, because when the good times come, yeah. yeah, it makes everything else worthwhile. And there have been matches, you know, where we, you know, we're season ticket holders, and and I'll turn and go see that. That is worth suffering for. You know, all the bad times. This is worth suffering yeah. for, and of course, you know the European success over the last couple of years has, has been has been absolutely magnificent. And, uh, and 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 actually, being champions of Europe now, he can hold his head up high at school and yeah. <laughs> can go it, to school exactly. And it, it probably won't come again, you know, maybe for another forty years or so. But that's what being a West Ham fan's about, isn't it? You 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 enjoy you enjoy the the years of of underachievement because because you know there are brilliant yeah. moments. Yeah. You know, I, I still think. I still think I'm, I'm rambling on a bit because I never get the chance to really say this much, but my best game ever, the one game that stands out in my mind was was um, when we played Liverpool, when we were bottom of League One. And Liverpool were top. We played them on a on a midweek match at, at Upton Park in, in the Cup and we won 4-1. And Insi scored a couple of goals. They scored one of the most ridiculous own goals ever. And Tony Gale bent it like Beckham <laughs> into the top corner from about 30 yards. Yes, Tony Gale. <laughs> he he was Dimitri Payet before Dimitri Payet even knew what being Dimitri Payet was all about. Him. Probably inspired yeah, him, yeah. But, but that 4-1, and I, I was on the North Bank uh, that night, just the most incredible game of football. Now, 
that was our one match yeah. of the year and and that was it but they they sustain you until the next great night comes along <laughs> yeah yeah i guess the highs aren't as high if you don't have the lows it's a supporting west ham i wanted to ask like who are your hammer heroes because i mean your eyes light up when you talk about tony gale <laughs> ray stewart <laughs> yeah. even ginge who are the ones that stick out for you maybe you haven't mentioned so, so ray stewart uh, when one year I actually got to present the Hammer of the Year uh, awards, Ray Stewart came up to us after the event and went, hey, Crofty, I'm a massive F1 fan. I love that F1. I'm like, you're Ray Stewart. <laughs> He's like, yeah. I went, I love you. <laughs> and it's I probably do. after a few tickets or something. <laughs> <laughs> he is more than welcome anytime. Um, so my heroes over the year, uh, uh, Trevor Brookin uh, was, uh, was, was the one when I was growing up. Al Alvin Martin. Who was the first guy I ever got an autograph from? Oh, he, wow. He came down to open up some Sunday church fate in Stevenage, <laughs> and I went along just to get his autograph, and it actually stayed on my bedroom wall. Brilliant. Right up until the moment where it completely faded. Disappeared. <laughs> there was nothing left of it. Um, so, yeah, uh, uh, Billy Bonds, obviously. Um, guys in the 80s who who shouldn't be your heroes as Jeff Pike I don't know why but I used to love Jeff Pike he was brilliant <laughs> Alan Devonshire who's probably still trying to grow a moustache today <laughs> you know good luck with that um, uh, Al uh, Phil Parks world's most expensive goalkeeper I mean seriously you say that and you think really but he was he was so yeah. good uh, in his time so the, those guys when I first started um, supporting West Ham and then you go through some of, some of the players we've seen over the year, Dimitri Payet, who I've mentioned, who for, for one season couldn't miss from 30 yards. Paolo Di Canio, oh. the most eccentric, you know, bonkers, gifted footballer, you know, we, we've ever, ever had and are probably ever likely to have. You know, we'll, we'll have as good a player, but nothing quite matches yeah. Paolo Di Canio, does it? Um Mark Noble, who, you know, I'd, I've become mates with Nobes because he's he's a massive F1 fan and I didn't realise. Um, and I'll tell, I'll tell you tell about that in a minute. Um, so Nobes and, and you know... The Is he more of a fan that everything goes with the Formula One though, rather than the racing? Knowing Nobes, the parties and the... I think he probably enjoys the, it all. Yeah. <laughs> he, I <laughs> the meeting of people, the, the networking. I know what so, he's like. No, he, do, he does like a network. Yeah. He likes a chat. That's very true. You know, um, Harvard Business School graduate yeah, and well. all that. Um, but he, no, he's a massive fan. Yeah, yeah. So th there I was, um, it was Bahrain a few years ago, start of the season. And I got this, I got this Instagram message from Mark Noble. I'm thinking, this is a wind up. <laughs> Check the profile. Oh no, it is Nobes. I'm fine. Just saying, best of luck for the season. You know, we'll be watching. I'm like, bloody hell. Didn't realize you were an F1 fan. He then sends me a picture of the dressing room at Spurs. We were playing Spurs that day. And, um, he's got the Grand, he's got the, the Grand Prix on in the dressing room yeah. while, before the players go out to warm up. I'm like, this is amazing. Do you watch it? Oh, yeah, no, we're glued to it all the time. You know, we love it. So we kind of got talking and uh, he came out to a race with a couple of mates of his. And I got him into the paddock with his mates and we, we had a, a brilliant weekend. And, and this, this to me sums up A, why he was captain, B, why he was such a brilliant captain, and C, why Nobes is just a proper, proper guy. I've, I said to him on a Sunday, I said, I've got a grid pass for you. I can only get one. Um, I know you're with your mates, but if you want to go on the grid before the race, I know you'd love to. Um, we've got a pass for you, but sorry, it's only one. And he came back, went, Crofty, I'm here with my mates. It's one. It's all of us or none of us. I can't do it to them. Yeah. I can't go on the grid if I can't bring them as well. And you just think, you know, that you, yeah, I wouldn't want to turn down a, a grid. But I've, <laughs> I've done 350 races. I've been on the grid three times. You know, that's it. I'm normally in a box watching West Ham. Um, <laughs> 
But that to me just summed up, yeah. you know, why he was the captain you always wanted to play for, you know? Oh man, what a guy. What a guy. Um oh, Croft guy. Is, oh, your passion just shines through when you're talking about West Ham. <laughs> this is why you're such a great commentator. But it's actually an element of your commentary I wanted to ask about, which is when you're a BDO commentator. I used to love that. <laughs> and there's obviously quite a few darts characters who sport West Ham, Russ Bray, probably most yeah, famously. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever cross paths with Russ? Yeah, I play golf occasionally with Russ. He's he's, he's a top bloke. Um yeah. Think about Russ. You always you always want to say, "Do you want a glass of water?" Okay, you're <laughs> it all right, mate. I don't know how he does it. When is he going to swallow that gravel he's got yeah, rattling around? He's his like throat. Janis Joplin, you know, <laughs> but more rugged, <laughs> slightly more rugged. <laughs> do you do you miss the darts? You were I, so I do. great on the darts. Like, I, the darts was was kind of my big break, um, and I'd done yeah, but a lot of commentary and I'm working for the BBC. But that was that was kind of what got got me noticed in a television sense, and. Um, I, I I do miss it a lot. It's I don't know any other sport that's that swings from good to bad, from brilliant to you know from comedy to tragedy, whatever, so fast mm. as, as darts does. Every, every dart you know affects your mood, the player's mood, mm, and the fans' yeah. mood as well. It's a massive party, but you know the fans are all watching because the minute something dramatic happens, they're mm. they're up with it as well. And I think. You know, the, the, the BDO did, did a great job putting darts on the map. The PDC have taken it on and some. And the standard that we're seeing now, I mean, I've watched Luke Littler oh. and, and his exploits over Christmas. The boy was just brilliant. I think um, everybody watched that. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad Luke Humphreys won, though, because I think he deserved it. And I, I've commented on Luke Humphreys and thought, yeah, you're, you're going to go places mm. in this. Um, and I'm glad he's now champion. Luke Little will have well, I was going to say, he could potentially be playing darts mm. for 30, 40 years, Little, couldn't he? Yeah. So he's going he's gonna to have plenty of chances. Yeah. He, he's the guy that if anyone's going to beat Phil Taylor's 16 world titles, he's the guy that, yeah. that will do it. But we can't expect too much of him. We really I, can't. I can't help but look at him thinking, you know, I take my boys football training, rugby training. I'm thinking... From an early age, I should have just taken them to the pub with me. <laughs> I mean, they'd be in there three, four times. They'd be in there three, four times a week. Give them a set of darts. Give them a set of darts. Yeah. Away you go. There you go. I, I, I speak to a lot of Formula One drivers who've had kids. Like, are you going to get them to, to go into karting, go into motor racing? No, it's too expensive. Yeah. Can't afford that. I mean, it is. Oh, it costs you millions. Yeah. It yeah, really does. Know. Yeah. It's not too expensive. I'll give him a set of darts yeah. instead. That's the way to go. That mums, dads, yeah. right? If you want your kids to earn money at sport, be geniuses. Just buy them a set of darts. Sprite, yeah. sprite, and a pack of pork scratchings. That's about all. You know, <laughs> and, and, and some darts. You're yeah. good to go. Teach them how to subtract. Yeah. Yeah. After the darts came F1, and you, you first started on uh, Radio Five Live before right. moving, and you had a, a six years there. Yep. Um, so you've been around Formula One now a long, long time. You mentioned 350 races. Something yeah, like it was that. 350 in Abu Dhabi wow, uh, last wow. year, which I, look, I never thought I'd get to, to, to that amount at all. I, I I got the F1 job after auditioning for it at Five Live, after being advised that I ought to audition for it by the producer, who we, we had a chat in a bar in Vegas at two o'clock in the morning. And he's like, yeah, you should be an F1 commentator. And I went, shut up, you're drunk. And he went, no, no, seriously, you like the sport. You know a bit about the sport. And you've got a great voice for it. Come on, we, we need a new commentator. Come and audition. So I gave it a go and um, had to leave the BBC to get the job because it was a freelance, uh, it was an independent company that I had to go freelance. So for not for the first time in my career, I had to give up a full-time job to go and pursue my dreams mm. a bit. I, I joined the BBC and local radio in 1995 on a one-month contract. 
I gave up a job as a theatre publicity officer for one month in the BBC wow. just to see how far it would go. <laughs> Still, know, today. Yeah, it's yeah, right, yeah. It? That's incredible. Follow your dreams and don't let anyone <laughs> tell you otherwise. Um, so yeah, so um, I went into it thinking, right, I know a little bit. I think I'll be okay. Then realised I, I didn't know enough. I mean, I don't, you know, if you remember back to your first day as, as a professional mm. footballer, you think, right, I've made it. And then you think, no, no, this no is where the real it. work starts, yeah. doesn't it? That's when you've got to start work, yeah. Yeah. I do more revising now than I ever did at school. So, you know, if you ever speak to any of my teachers, I was a spectacularly average student, <laughs> to be honest. Because I, I didn't put the effort in. That was the trouble. Mm. Yeah. And realize at a later point in life, you got to, if you want anything in life, you've got to put some effort in. So I'll spend, you know, day, day and a half writing my notes out, researching before each and every Grand Prix, and then adding to that during the course of the week. All right, West Ham fans, one way you can support Ironcast and help us rocket up the charts and beat off the competition from other official football clubs' podcasts like Chelsea and like Spurs is to get a five-star rating or review from you. Support me and Ginger on the podcast, chuck us a five-star rating and review and help us rocket up the charts where West Ham belong, at the top of the table. Back on with the show. You're about to start the Formula One season, and I always think the start of a Formula One season is especially exciting because you don't really know where the teams are at. You've got new cars. And Mm. then the other interesting thing about Formula One is there's so much kind of palace intrigue, Game of Thrones, big characters in the paddock. Is there much more of a challenge as a commentator right at the start of the season than when when you're a few races in? Yeah, well, it is this year because obviously we've got a, a couple of new team names. So it's going to take me half a year yeah. to, 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 to get that out of my system. I mean, you imagine if we, if we as a club changed our name every couple of years, you know, <laughs> never work, would it? Um, so yeah, so there's, there's, there's that bit, at least the drivers have all stayed the same. So that gives me help. New liveries, of course, on the cars. Oh. There's a lot of liveries now that look very much the same Yeah, because um, paint is weight. And a lot of the cars are kind of overweight or the or they're they're too heavy and they can't put the the extra ballast weight where they want to for performance gains. So they 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 have exposed carbon fiber because it saves weight, which means now that there's a lot of black. So from a distance, uh. the Williams, the uh, the RB, which used to be the Alpha Tauri, um, the Alpine look quite similar. The Mercedes and the Aston Martin could look a bit similar as well. And it's such a fast-moving sport. You've got one chance in a split second to, to get it right. At the start of those races as well, when the cars are packed Especially together. Especially at the start. Yeah. Really important. You're making excuses already. <laughs> I'm trying. They all look the same. They all look the same. <laughs> I'll get them in. But no, So at the start of a race, what I'll do, um, I actually handwrite the grid out about an hour before the start of the race. Because I find if you write things out by hand, it sticks in the brain yeah, a lot sure. better. And then about... 10 minutes before we go on air in the commentary box i'll just take myself off very quietly and spend five minutes reciting what the grid's going to be so that it's then stuck in your brain and you know which drivers are around which other drivers um but yeah in in terms of the politics the intrigue drive to survive has has really brought that to the fore we've dished up a soap opera so that people stay around for the live sport and i quite like that um and there are there's a huge amount of politics in f1 yeah um, with, with everything that's going on you, you it's need so to get unique as a sport because yeah. everyone is there every other week in the same kind of 30 square meters and now with 24 races they just can't escape each other they, we spend more time with our colleagues and and in f1 terms our rivals than we do with our family uh, during the course of the year 
And they can't escape each other, and it all can get a little bit tetchy uh, from time to time. But there's a great camaraderie as well. You know, and I remember back in, in Spain, this, when, when Pastor Maldonado won for Williams, it was a real shock victory, 2012 in Spain. And it was Frank Williams' 70th birthday, and then the garage caught fire after the race. It's something um, caused a spark, and it just went up. And the flames were coming out of the garage. and Rather than standing around watching, mechanics from every other team were running towards the Williams garage with fire extinguishers to help put the to fire out. out yeah. So that camaraderie, I don't know if it's the same in football when because you you you'll know people from opposition yeah. teams, but you know, everyone pulls together in various moments. I, I think with football, I think it's probably less than when I was younger. Yeah. You know, there was always the old players bar and stuff like that where you'd be together, you'd have a couple of drinks or whatever with the, the team after. But I think as time gone on, it's, it's sort of... It's a shame. Set. Yeah, it is. They, they were great days. Like you'd one last shake hands, you go in the bar and, yeah. and, and sort of talk about the game and, and, and catch up with people. But I think that's... I think it's sort of gone, to be honest. Well, it's that a shame of... that because then the respect that you had for each other that you had on the pitch as well mm. kind of now goes... And it's one of the worst things about modern day football, that the niggly lack of respect, not just fouls, but time wasting, you know, play acting. You don't do that if you're if you're friends and, and mates with oh, you players would. from the opposition. <laughs> oh, would you? Yeah, you would. Oh, right. <laughs> so you cheat your mates. Well, I don't, you should I don't, have been informed. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's not cheating, mate. It's not cheating. It's, uh... <laughs> Until you get caught, it's never <laughs> yeah, cheating. Exactly. You so should have been exactly. in that one. Is there that... I have often, is there any, not, I don't want to say hatred, but it, there must be a lot of people who don't get on as well, though. I think, uh, I think if you offered Toto Wolf and Christian Horner yeah. um, a spa weekend together in Iceland, they probably <laughs> Might be declined. They, they probably declined that. I don't <laughs> think there's any love lost there. What but, about the drivers? Uh, drivers, and no, I think the drivers is that the, the, there's a great camaraderie yeah. and friendship. They, they are 20 of the best, if, if not the best drivers on the planet. They all understand each other. They, they all know the stresses and the strains and, uh, and, and they've all grown up together through the junior formula as well. And, um, they probably all share the same private jet from Monaco for some <laughs> races. Um, and, and most of them do live in Monaco to be fair. They, they, on the track, there's a rivalry. Off it, there's a camaraderie. Yeah, it's got yeah, uh, very much. But I've so. always found interesting, like the rivalry within a team. When I was working on Formula One, it was Sebastian Vettel and Mark Webber yeah. at uh, Red Bull, oh, well, and they were famously falling out, even crashing into each other and ignoring team orders. And I yeah. thought that is such an interesting aspect. Multi twenty one, Seb. Multi twenty one. <laughs> yeah, because it was is all a about the strategy sport. that yeah, day. Of course, yeah. And Seb went against it. Um, but I, I, I was with Lewis Hamilton uh, a couple of weeks ago. We were doing some filming for Sky going through the 2014 season. And he told me a few things about that season that I didn't know as well. I won't spoil it now. Mm. But I'm like, really? Th that happened? Oh, yeah, that happened. Look, you can see it right here. Really? As um, in like during races during and, races and, and, and tactics stuff. and yeah. stuff, yeah. Which, wow. which I, I didn't know at all. So, you know, watch out for that feature yeah. uh, on, on wow. Sky this year. But yeah, <laughs> you will do whatever you can to gain and create a competitive advantage. Because in a sport where it's down to the last hundredth of a second, you know, every little bit counts. And and that's just it's just one of the fun things. And one of the fun things of my job and, and Martin Brundle alongside me is to try and draw that out in the commentary, talk about it, and put things into perspective uh, for people, which is why we spend so much time, you know, talking to drivers and engineers and that throughout the course of the weekend. 
you can't, it's not like football. You can't see everything in front of your eyes that's unfolding. You have to have that, that secondary knowledge to be able to put it into context for people. Yeah. So you're traveling around the world with the F1 circus. Yeah. Are there many West Ham fans in the paddock? Is there many yeah, there are. engineers? There, 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 there are a oh, few. Um, and and yeah, we, we, we seek each other out. Um, <laughs> we watch games together. We, yeah, like, um, we don't tend to watch games together because we're not always in the same place kind of over nighttime or yeah, sometimes the games are happening during the course of, of, of our time there. I remember when we played, uh, when we played Eintracht Frankfurt in the Europa League at their place, in the, the the second leg, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, Mike Crack suddenly developed uh, the Aston Martin team boss. Actually, developed quite a, a passionate uh, support for Eintracht Frankfurt because <laughs> um, his his driver Sebastian Vettel was a fan, and I was actually watching the match at the track. We we're in Miami, and I kept getting these messages through from Mike, basically taunting me throughout <laughs> oh, the entire come match. On. It's like, mate, I, I'm going to have to go on air at some stage, and I'm going to get you back for this. I really yeah. am. Um, but yeah, there, there, there's there's quite a few. But but trying to follow the football, it sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's a little more difficult. So uh, I've been up at five o'clock in the morning in Australia to watch a midweek Europa game uh, because they've got some uh, some marvelous ways to watch the football out in Australia. <laughs> Basically, the the Champions League. The Europa League, the Europa Conference, the Premier League, the FA Cup, they're all on different streaming services out there. So, you know, you can watch it all, but you've got to try and work out which one's which. Um, you can always find a bar in Singapore, for instance, after the race that, that will show uh, a West Ham match. There's plenty of that. So, so some are easier than others. China is awful for trying to follow your team. So I, I've, I've been awake at, at three in the morning, the night before a race in China, following West Ham. Well, look, one of the highs of sporting West Ham has, of course, been winning the Conference League. Did you make it to the final? <laughs> Did I help? <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at it. I was trying to think it was around the time of the Spain, Spanish Grand Prix. It was, might have it, been. it was a week off. It was a week off, but I, like, I couldn't get a ticket. Uh, and and I've, I've, do you know what? It would have been unfair to ring up the club and go, you got any spares? Like, you know, just because I'm on a team. Well, I don't know. Sort of a few F1 passes. No, I, I, I couldn't have done that. But, it, and it was also, there was, it was quite an important function that night. Our, um, I think it was like a Sky Summer Party for everyone on screen and some like the movers and the shakers and the, uh, the media industry, uh, with, <laughs> uh, at a place in London. So I went and I remember talking to, to Stephen Van Royen. Um, who uh, is sadly leaving us at, at Sky, um, <laughs> our CEO. And I said, um, look, I know this is a Sky do, but, you know, could we get BT Sport? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, not, uh, no, Crofty, why? So West Ham are in the conference final. And, I, you know, if you want me to stay, I'd quite like to uh, to watch the match. He was like, it ain't going to happen. I went, yeah, all right, fair enough. I, I'm probably leaving in about 10 minutes then. <laughs> And I did. I went. I went to the pub around the corner, and Good. I actually sat and watched. Just sat on your own. I sat on my own in the pub oh. and watched it, um, which was which was fine and actually quite nice to sit and watch the match properly and and just kind of take it all in. Although one lone bloke in the corner jumping up and celebrating in the way I did probably wasn't as cool as it felt <laughs> at the time, but sod it. I you think know, coolness went out of the window. It at that doesn't, stage, matter, mate, you know, doesn't matter. And, but watching watching that night, did you get the sense that? It was going to be a proper West Ham night, and we, we'd actually be okay in the end. Because I always did. I always thought we're going to we're going to do this. I've seen the game back and didn't really. We won the game. It doesn't matter how poor the actual game was. Yeah, it was they seen it. Like in, in in the stand, 
I'd had a couple of pints, granted. Uh, it, you know, you're caught up in it. But if you watch it back, it, not a poor game, but, you know, like I said, it can't be poor if we won it. But I say it all the time, that stuff don't happen to West Ham. Didn't certainly when I was here, scoring a last-minute winner the way we did. I mean, and it's the first real game I'd been to as a, as a fan since really? I'd been at the club. and Wow. Been to a few away games, but to, to get invited there by the club and go out and enjoy it as we did and to win it how we did. Doesn't matter how you played, does it? Oh man! I I always had that sense, and you're right. It was a poor game. It was it was a typical West Ham in Europe mm. performance, you know, because I berated you at <laughs> half time, <laughs> and I'm really sorry about yeah. that. So, Gin, Gin's De caught, caught me mid rant. Deserved <laughs> one of the matches leading up to that. But I just felt, nah, tonight. We, in in the words of my old man. Son, we're going to be right oh, here. Yeah. You know? I interviewed the yeah. gaffer a couple of weeks back, well, me and Chris did, and he sort of said that, didn't he? He felt like it was just going to happen. Mm, it, was, yeah. like, it didn't matter how they were going to play or how the game was, because you know, finals are tend to be pretty poor games. But I think, did he mention the gaffer that they took them away, I think, didn't he? Yeah, he took the And they had like a, a team yeah, bonding thing before it. And he felt, as, as the gaffer, he felt that sort of trip won it for him. Yeah. As in the team bonding, the way they were talking yeah, about the final. So there's a lot that goes into it. Obviously, like I said, the games are normally poor, but what a, what a night. Well, Crofty, what a delightful chat this has been. Thank and you. I think if we can take Cheers, one thing Crofty. away from it, it is that it's all going to be okay. Yeah. It'll be okay. Everything's going to be okay. <laughs> um, and, and a little sneak uh, preview here. Brought them along today. This, this is what I wear... Uh, on match days when West Ham are playing when I'm in the commentary box. I think I caught a pig Oh, yeah. hello. So we got the West lucky Ham, socks? We've got the lucky West Ham... Well, they're not lucky. <laughs> <laughs> they're just um, West Ham socks. Just West Ham socks. <laughs> 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 yeah, Warren once, we lost 6-0. Yeah. Um, I've, I've got over it, just. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. No, I haven't. But no, the socks The socks will stay on every time West Ham play uh, in the commentary box. We'll have the socks nice. on. Brilliant. Washed, of course. Good luck for this season, Crofty. Yeah, we'll all Crofty. be listening Brilliant. and looking forward to even more West Ham references in your commentary. Bring it on. All right, and thank you for listening. Until next time, come on, you eyes. Sports Social Podcast Network.